Praise the Lord. And welcome to IHAP Podcast. IHAP, I have a testimony. Hosted by me, Reverend Mario Inaira. The podcast is shares and goes over testimonies from the people of God. So join me as I speak with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ that have influenced me and my Christian walk and see just how far God has brought us. Listen and be inspired and motivated by God's work in the lives of His people, by His grace and through His Word. session of IHOT podcast and I'm really excited today and, and I feel blessed to have all the way for from uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, senior pastor of New Beginnings Church uh, with me today and that's Pastor Mike Ortega. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Amen, my brother. Thank you very, very much, sir, for your time today and, and your willingness to be on and uh, I just really appreciate it, Pastor. Thank you so much. I feel honored, man. Really honored to be here. So, Pastor, kind of um, what I want to get into is uh, is when did this start for you, Pastor? What what was it that that burning bush experience or that little light bulb in your head or what was it that finally clicked with you that that made you want to serve God? When when was that occasion, sir? Well, I I mean, life has a journey in mm-hmm. everything that we do, and of course. You know, in order for you to get a fire, you got to strike somewhere. All right. Stone had a strike on my life somehow. And I I grew up in the church. I was mm. about six months old when my father got baptized and gave his life to the Lord. And so it, it was an experience, of course, for him. And us growing up in the church, we grew up in Baldwin Park under Pastor Oscar Barbosa mm. back in those days in East LA District. And so, you know, life took its journey. Um, when I, I was probably about seven years of age, though, you know, my, my parents got divorced. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we went from being a, a home, a Christian home, and mm. unfortunately, my mother was the one who had a downfall in that marriage. And so uh, she ended up yeah, getting back into the world and living a life of just extreme, you know, the drugs and doing things. So I went from seeing a woman in the altar to a, a woman over the toilet with hangovers and drug addictions and stuff and uh, she ended up getting custody of us wow. so we ended up having to pull away as you would say from what was all of that mm-hmm. um and so we didn't go to church for years uh, until later on a couple years later my father ended up uh, you know getting us back home mm-hmm. and brought us back to church and we were my father always stayed always served God as much as he could and so very difficult for us to go through those phases in life he got remarried had a lot of bitterness a lot Mm -hmm. of anger towards him and my parents and it was very hard and difficult um it was real hard I grew up in a moment where I just 12 13 years of age was very hard and Mm -hmm. he moved to Fontana we all moved there over to the interior district area actually Mm -hmm. where we started going under the pastor of Bishop Sam Mm Malavetid And under his pastorate, he, he literally took me under his wing. Mm. Me under his wing, him and Sister Rachel, just just whom I call Mama Rachel, <laughs> amazing person, amazing couple. Um, they really helped me out. I had so much anger and bitterness. Uh, I did a lot of things. They were actually the uh, emergency dial. Anytime I got in trouble in school, well, they would call him. Sister <laughs> <laughs> Rachel. Yeah, so my father worked about an hour away, and 
there was times that it was him picking me up at school. They, you know, stuff that happened or I did. And but he started working with me a lot, mm-hmm. and um, it was still hard. The age of thirteen, fourteen, I decided I wanted to run away. Wow. Home, and I really didn't want anything to do with anything. Really, I was very angry. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I uh, strolled my dad's nineteen eighty four Monte Carlo out of the driveway and turned it on and hot wired and left the house wow. in his car. And um, this was all, all about 1989, 1990. And um, while I was going went to some friend's house, we ended up picking up a couple of other friends and that morning we were leaving. And my journey was just to get back in Almani, which was about an hour away and I wanted to just kind of be away from everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, somehow trying to leave, I didn't see it. I don't know. It was a car that was coming. I didn't see it. Struck us. Wow. And the irony is that I had two uh, two uh, young men that were in the car with me. I was about fourteen, and these guys were about seventeen and eighteen, <laughs> seniors in high school. And uh, they were both ministers' sons. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so that was the traviesos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, that car hit us pretty hard, wow. really hard. Spun the car, it landed on top of uh, the front yard of a house. And uh, one of my friends uh, was in the back. Mm-hmm. And when the car hit, you know, we landed. I immediately wanted to unbuckle and run out. And uh, one of the guys grabbed a hold of me and says, you can't run. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to go. The cops are going to come. He says, you can't. And he says, look in the back. And when I looked in the back, uh, the friend that was in the back had literally been catapulted and hit the back of the windshield and his head was cut open and wow. he was bleeding everywhere. And, um, my friend was telling me, you killed him. He's mm. dead, you know? And that moment, I mean, I didn't know what to do. I froze. I was so scared. And uh, luckily, uh, somebody came, they pulled me out and they, they helped him out. He was fine. He just had a laceration in his head. Mm. And so it was one of those hard things at that moment when things just began. It was 14 and 15 and uh, two weeks later, I ended up running away anyway, and I left. I was gone for about two and a half to three years away from home. Wow. Um, a journey that I just, I didn't want anything with church. Mm-hmm. I didn't want anything with God. I just, I just didn't want anything. You know, it was just, just hard for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness. I, I had a lot of resentment towards God and angry at my father, mm-hmm. starting a new life. Angry at my mother for leaving us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times, I wanted to end my life. A lot of times, I just didn't want anything I, I just didn't know what i wanted in life and so i took on a journey and it you know led me to a lot of things mm-hmm. out in the world of course you're doing stuff and partying and everywhere and uh, i thought i i was doing it right mm-hmm. i was working going to school and kind of sustaining myself little by little and knew what i could do and um didn't happen until summer of 92 mm-hmm. about june or july i lost my job and things that i was doing in life and Everything was just coming apart. Mm. And it was about one in the morning. I found myself on Amar and Orange Street in La Puente. And I'm in my car with all my clothes. I've been kicked out of where I was living. Mm. Yeah, I wasn't doing good in school. I just it was I was just a mess. And I hadn't been home for a long, long time. And uh, I remember I I'm sitting in the car there. And it's a, a Union 76 gas station. Mm-hmm. And as I'm sitting there, there's I, I just feel it in my heart. I felt something just tell me, call home. 
call home. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there getting angry and going, I'm not going to call home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. And I kept on feeling this tug, call home. And at that moment, I, um, I literally said, I'm not going back to church. <laughs> I'm not going to call home. You know, I was very upset, very angry. And, uh, you know, I, I got to a moment where I, I finally kind of gave in and I just, I, I called the house and it's late already. Mm-hmm. My father picks up the phone and I didn't say anything. I didn't say it was me. I didn't tell him anything. I was just quiet. And all I heard was, hello, hello. And he's just quiet. And he, a simple thing he said. And he said, mijo, come mm-hmm. home. Come home. And that that just broke my heart. You know, wow. I, I started crying and I'm, he didn't know it was me, but it, that anticipation, I guess, just like the prodigal son or the father waiting for his son one day to call or come home. And I'm crying there and I, I tell my dad, I didn't say hi or anything. I just yeah. told him, I'm not going to church. <laughs> I'll go home, but I'm not going to church. You know, I just, it was very, very, very hard, you know, things yeah. that we went through. Um, but I ended up getting there. I drove there and got there. And, uh, you know, he didn't force me. He didn't tell me anything. I, I was back in those days doing a lot of clubs and parties and stuff like that. So I, I was a way of dressing and everything, mm. and chains and all kinds of stuff and everything. And so, and, you know, I just didn't think about it. I was there. And it was on a on July, on a Wednesday, I, I ninety two. I decided after about two weeks, I go, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go with you to church. I'm gonna go see my friends. Mm. I said, all right, let's go. You know, we went, and I kind of sat in the back, and lo and behold, a bishop I read this preaching that day on a Wednesday. It's one of the ministers. He, he said, you know, I guess he was supposed to preach. He preached, so he's he's preaching, mm-hmm. and he's preaching about the prodigal sons. Wow. And so I'm sitting in the back listening to him. And I, uh, during that time, you know, Fontana was growing. They were on 15514 Slover Street. And uh, they, they had chairs in the aisles because even Wednesdays would get packed. So wow. I say this because I remember I'm holding on to the rails of the chair on the bottom. And I'm hearing this going on. And um, I'm struggling inside. I want to mm. run. I don't want to hear the sermon. I don't want to hear the, the part of the sons. It was very impacting, talking about the son coming home. And uh, at that moment, I mean, remember, you know, altar calls going and people are going, I'm just sitting on the chair. And he's he's making calls to the altar call and everybody's there and they're crying. And finally, I just say, you know, he says, I know there's somebody else. Wow. I know this is for you. And I, and I couldn't. It was like a tug. I just, mm. just pulled me away and I went up and it was on the right side that I was facing of the altar in the center right side just fell on my knees and I remember I, I didn't think I didn't say anything mm-hmm. just a moment my knees hit the ground and my face went straight to the carpet I started sobbing uncontrollably wow. couldn't hold it from the pit of my stomach it was yeah. just like an eruption that had no end had no end and I, I felt as if I was emptying every moment of anguish, mm. pain, hurt, loneliness, moment of just deceit, moment of rejection, uh, moment of neglect, any moment I had in my life was being empty right there. Mm. And I, I wept, I wept, 
I wept. I I couldn't control every tear and snot that was coming out of my nose. <laughs> like, I mean, I couldn't breathe. My tonsils were swollen from so much crying, wow. and I just couldn't stop. And mm. just it was it was something different, something mm-hmm. so extraordinary. And um, I was having a repented moment. Mm-hmm. I was having a moment where God was just telling me, "I love you," mm. and, and I couldn't. I couldn't. You know, I, I just couldn't. And you know, the, the thing about this is that what I felt there was what I had, and what had happened to me at the Union Station. Mm-hmm. When I was going back and forth, what I was feeling and saying, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go. And I was feeling this inside of me, something telling me, just call and call. And so when I said no, I kid you not, as I'm talking to you audibly, mm-hmm. this isn't just something I'm just, oh, you know. It happened to me. This mm-hmm. happened to me. It was a voice so audibly as if it was in that car. Mm. And all I heard was, Michael, I love you. Wow. And that's what caused me to surrender, to, just wow. to call. But that moment when I was on my face and sobbing, I kept on hearing it. Mm. And I felt like he was cradling me wow. and just holding me through all of that. And, you know, I, I had chains that I tore off my neck while I was in the office and just going and going. And, yeah. and I could hear pastors say, Michael has literally ripped the chains, not just off his neck, but off of his life. Yeah. God is breaking those chains. And I just, I just kept on. I couldn't get up. And yeah. When I finally had the strength to open up my eyes, I, I literally had gone deaf to everything, blind to whatever. It was just in a just just, just a total gone moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to open up my eyes; they were so swollen. Oh. And, and when I finally got the strength, I looked around and nobody was here. Wow! I, I got a little scared and when I turned around, my my pastor and my dad were just watching me, saying they're just just crying and. Yeah. I just it was a it was a moment and I remember I just I just knew, you know, something happened. Yeah. And the time was now. And I was I was uh, it was August, I was sixteen of nineteen ninety two. And um my birthday was coming up September sixth and I went to Pastor's house the day before and he was he actually lived not even a block away from us. It was literally just about a hundred yards away from us. Wow. And I walked over to his house on a Saturday and I said, I'm getting baptized tomorrow. I want you to baptize me. It's my birthday. And he was giving me trees of righteousness since I was 12, 13, 14. <laughs> you know what I mean? He was, every year was like, he was trying to get it in there. Yeah. And, you know, and it was one of those years he didn't do it that I, I you know. Oh, wow, Pastor. I recognized it was time you know, to give my life over the Lord. And on my birthday in September 6th of 1992, I gave my life to the Lord. And I was baptized in Jesus' name. And uh, just one of those moments that's just incredible for me. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, baptism is just extraordinary for me. Something just amazing for my life. Yeah. Wow, Pastor. My- oh, go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. That was my moment of conversion. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that phrase that, that you used, Pastor, that, that repentive moment. You know, where you could, the, the, just that sobbing and that crying, you know, it was from the pit of your stomach. And it, it, it's really interesting because I remember, you know, when God spoke to me that way. And, and you know, I had this almost, 
almost along the same lines, Pastor, but, you know, issues with my dad. And I remember being angry about that. But the same thing, Pastor, I, I, I could never describe it to people. Because when you say, you know, you audibly heard, I, I, you heard a voice, a lot of people say, well, what, how did it sound like? So I'm like, no, but I know it was God speaking to my life. And, and basically he told me, I'll be your father. You know, mm-hmm. I'll be your father. And the one thing that God has always been awesome about is God does not just do things superficially or on top. I mean, he gets in there and he cleanses out the, the wounds and he cleanses completely and restores complete. And that's just awesome to hear, Pastor. They, that, that's praise God. That's awesome. That's you know, awesome. and you know, you know, what's uh, one thing, too, that, mm. that I think needs to be so assured and assertive in this is that God answers prayers. Mm. God answers prayers. You know, that was September. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very good with timelines. And <laughs> but in, in October of that year, I, I, w- I found myself in a men's district, men's service in Ontario Church. And I remember walking into the lobby. We're going to go in, you know, youth and everybody, you're all energized. You want to be involved. You want to go to every culto there is, district, <laughs> or whatever you know, service there is. And uh, I was walking through, and this one brother, I can't remember his name. But he sees me, he says, Brother Ortega, he says, Brother, he says, you don't know how happy I get to see you serving the Lord. Mm. Tell him, thank you, brother. You know, I'm excited too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be serving God. You know, he says, no, 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 no. You don't understand, he says, Brother, the excitement in mm. our lives to see you serving Jesus Christ. And I don't know this brother, you know. I just, <laughs> I said, well, thank you, you know. He says, look. And he starts telling me, he says, uh, we, we had a camp, he says, around June, he says, our men's camp. And, and Bishop Julian Aguirre was there preaching. Mm. He says, and Bishop Julian Aguirre is preaching about the prodigal sons. And he's teaching about the sons that are lost and everything. And he says, brother, in the middle of Bishop's preaching, he says, this man got up in the back. And he says, my son's dead. Mi hijo está muerto. He says, I don't know where he is. He's dead. And you know what that bishop did? He stopped what he was doing. He told everybody, clear out these chairs. We need to learn to be men that will pray through and see miracles, he says. Mm. He says he brought that man to the front in the middle. He had 300 men surround this man. And you know what they did that day, Brother Ortega? He says, that day, those men surrounded your father. And they lifted you up in prayer that God would reach you and touch your heart. And brother, by July, by August, and by September, I was already getting baptized and serving the Lord. God reaches the prodigals, man. Yes. In a a great way. So to me, that's just one of those things that if there's parents out there that are going to hear this, Mm -hmm. give up on your kids, man. Don't you stop praying for them, no matter how old or where they're at, man. God answers prayers. God hears the prayers and the cries. And there is strength and power in the unity of men that get together to pray. Man, things happen. I'm the result of that. Yes, yes. You know. Wow, just just how that comes complete circle. You know, that that's man, God is just awesome. (laughs) I have a life of complete circle. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, by the time you were, I believe you said sixteen or eighteen, Pastor, you you were you got baptized. I got baptized when I turned seventeen. Seventeen. 
1992. So when I got baptized, it was just one of those things. And it was just serving the Lord with all of my heart, mm. with all of my heart, you know. And, you know, in the trajectory of what had happened, mm -hmm. that accident that we had, mm. I got arrested. Wow. And so 14 and I ended up in jail. <laughs> and uh, they came to, um, you know, bail me out mm -hmm. and. When I walked out of those doors, it was Bishop Alvarez that was right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, growing up and knowing him, you know, you know he's very mad when his, his head is crunched up in the fourth <laughs> area. He's just looking at you, and I was like, man, I'm in for it now. Wow. You know, and, and um, he didn't say nothing. He just got in the car, and I was actually smirking. He was smart Alec at that time. Yeah. I got in the car and I just sat back and my dad was actually sitting in the passenger side. He didn't even get off. And uh, I got in and the pastor was very upset. He, he turned around and gave me a good one, you know. And um, my dad was just quiet. Mm. And my dad says, you can't come home, you know. You cause issues with your stepmom and this, these are the issues and that. And yeah. I just... Pastor said, I don't know what we're going to do, Mike. You're going to have to be with me for a couple of days. We'll see what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. He says, "You right now, he says, I have a meeting I have to go to. He was in the general board at the time. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, and you made me late to it. So <laughs> you're going with me? Dropping off your head, you're going with me. Yeah. And you're going to wait right there where we're at until I get out. And so I'm like, oh, great. you know." And we ended up going to uh, Ontario Church, and they were where they have this this hallway, this, this uh, dorms and rooms there, and mm. he walked in, and he had to go into a room, and he said, you're going to wait here. You're not going nowhere. And I'm like, he said, you better not think about leaving. Or <laughs> he walked in, and I was just there. Two hours or something later, uh, there's a bishop that opened the door and looked in. He says, um, they want you in here. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm right in my head going, I'm not going in there. <laughs> I said, no. He said, they're not giving you an option. You need to come in here. Wow. I remember walking in the brother, and uh, it was a bishops and, and, and board directors and everything. And I'm yeah. not, I, I didn't even know what to think, man. I'm all feet out with the clothes <laughs> and stuff that I had from days. Of, you know, and uh, there was a man in a wheelchair hmm. that was there, another man. And, um, I walked in and the pastor was there and, and you know board members and people that were there and he says I need you to help me pray for this young man he says he's just giving me so many problems he, he's I'm, I'm afraid for his life wow. I, I need you guys to pray for him and, and uh, the, the brother that was in the wheelchair just looked up and he looked at my pastor and he says he's going to be okay he's going to be okay he says things like this happen he says and he looked at me and he says you know, in Spanish, you know, mm. you have a great calling. Yeah. And the enemy's after your life, he says, because he knows what you're going to do to his kingdom. Yeah. He says, God's going to see you through, and greatness is going to come through you. And he prayed for me, and those men prayed for me. And, you know, I left. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, I left. I left. <laughs> you know, and that was it. But you know, uh, two years after on my baptism, eighteen nineteen, mm -hmm. started going along with the youth and traveling, hear sermons and preachers and great mm -hmm. men of God. And, you know, Bishop Rome was just one of those mentors for my life, and 
we were at a um, end time restoration up in Union City. Mm -hmm. And brother, you know, we're there. And, and you know, as far as names and people in the apostolic world, I wasn't so caught up in who was who and stuff yeah. like that. But we're there, and uh, Bishop Adam Lopez got up, and he says, brothers, today, he says, I'm excited to tell you that somebody's here to greet us. And he says, my father-in-law is here. Mm -hmm. And they bring this old man in a wheelchair, and they brought him up to the platform. And when I saw that man, I looked wow. at him. I know this man. This was Antonio Castaneda Nava, brother. Wow. The founders of the assembly. Yes. Was there. And I'm looking at him wow. and I'm going crazy because <laughs> he raised his hand up and all he said was Paze Cristo. And wow. that place erupted, man. Wow. People were speaking in tongues of power. The Lord was moving so powerfully. Everybody's moving, but I'm I'm at all with my mouth dropped open, looking and going, this is a man that prayed for me when I was 14 years old. Wow. This was a man who interceded and, and gave me that word, and I, I'm just struck. I, I'm 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 weeping. Yeah. but I'm crying. I feel so humble before the Lord because wow. of that. We we're saying just the circles that just come around. Yeah. I'm full of those. I'm full of those. I mean, just one of those things where you kind of realize God has a design. Yes, God has something. He's working in this, you know. And so many prophetic words and things that have happened in our lives. Bishop Romo was one when I was nineteen that prophesied so many things over our lives, wow. double portions of the gifts and stuff, and that have been fulfilled up to this day. Yeah. And, and just amazing things that God has done through this. Oh, that's awesome, Pastor. But, Pastor, let me ask you, as being a young man and, and, and you know, experiencing so many things that you were experiencing and receiving those blessings and, and these great, you know, men of God and, you know, praying for you, did there ever come a time where you felt kind of like, you know, hey, wait a minute, I'm just me. You know, uh, am I even worth, like, did you ever just kind of second doubt yourself or, you know, because I know you said you were just on fire following God. But did it ever just kind of hit you, like, you know, is is it really supposed to be me, or, you know, did there ever come a time when that was challenging your faith a little bit? I, I, I to myself, brother, was I, even even now, even now, brother, <laughs> audio when I get up to pray and yeah. see God, my thing is I'm unworthy. Mm. I'm unworthy, brother. I, I still feel that way. Yeah. I get up to go preach whenever I go anywhere. I'm unworthy. I, I tell mm. the Lord that. I'm not worthy of this. I'm not, and um, I feel blessed. Yeah. I, I I feel blessed, and but to me, I I, I feel unworthy. Mm -hmm. I, I do, and you know, being who I was and where I came from mm -hmm. and everything, I I don't deserve this. I tell the Lord sometimes, and you know, being through so much in life, bro, mm -hmm. it just it's just one of those things that uh, you just kind of like, thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a nugget. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're willing to give a piece of this. Thank you. You know, and, and I mean, of course, I, I, you know, for me, you know, just it's a privilege. You know, God allowed so much suffering in our lives growing up. That, you know, I, I, I understand some things now more than ever mm. at the age of four. But it's one of those things where you can't take it for granted. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I told the Lord when I was 17, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. Mm. I'm going to hold here. I, I'm yeah. not going to stop, you know, and, and, and brother, I have so much joy. I, I tell my children, I tell people, 
if you see me smiling or going, it's because, man, to me, it's like I just got baptized yesterday. Oh, that's awesome. I, I love the Lord. I, I love Him, you know, and, and hey, there's heart. We've been through so much brokenness in life. Mm. We've been through so, God, I mean, there's this trajectory is long, bro. Mm-hmm. Our, our whole brokenness, our life, I mean, yeah. after marriage and, and things that happened and, and things that took place in our ministry to prepare us for what God was going to do with us. And mm. it, it was just one of those things where you just, if you're working in the kingdom of the Lord, mm-hmm. You don't have time to feel sorry about certain things. Mm. You, you know who you're doing this for, yeah. and if God is going to allow you to go through seasons of brokenness, count yourself worthy. Mm. Go through the pain, go through the hardships. Is there time that I've cried out to God? There's been many times that I've yeah. cried out, to God, many times. But unworthy, I will always feel unworthy. Mm. Yeah, oh, just not worthy of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow, Pastor. Uh, so how how long was it between um, after you got baptized, Pastor, to just accepting that call or or receiving a call to the ministry? What what was that like for you, Pastor? Well, I, I had to tell you, man. I, I was I was probably about eighteen or nineteen. Mm. Um, it was all during that season when a new trajectory started in the mm. assembly. That was the highest callings. Mm. that they started doing and uh, it it was in San Diego when he had just finished preaching I think it was Bishop Fortino actually who who had just preached on the arrows or might have been Bishop Alberto but they had just preached on the arrows in the hands of mighty God Mm. and uh, God put a deep call in my spirit there at that moment Mm a deep, deep call in my spirit that said, I'm taking you Mm. and you're mine. (laughs) And I knew that there was just something so deep and profound that was calling me Mm. to something greater and something bigger. Mm. And, you know, during those times you had men like, you know, Bishop Romo, as I stated, you Mm -hmm. had men like Bishop Portino, Bishop Alverde, you had men that were just launching out man, mm. nets over young men that had a hunger and a deep desire to to, to see and then the gifts of the spirit just operating and moving. Mm. Uh, it was one of those things that just uh, an awakening and a call that even nowadays I, I I still when I'm preaching in different areas I tell people you know we're missing this mm. we're missing young men man to wake up with that hunger and desire to to make known and to live a life or demonstration of the mm. gifts, live a life in the power of the spirit and hunger, hunger for the ministry, hunger mm. for, for, for the word and to do just greater things and than just performing or yes. just being before people or being known. Yes. It's not about that. It's a, it's a greater thing. It's a deeper, it's a deeper hidden moment with God. Yes. He just, he just calls you and you know, God, God pressed me with that in my mm. spirit. That just, it was never gonna let go. Um, up in one of the uh, couriers that my wife has, she still has that arrow that I got when I was nineteen. Oh wow! I said I committed my life one day. Mm. Bishop Alberto they turned in all these young men that said they're gonna, they're willing to be arrows to Bishop uh, Valdemar Rodriguez at the time, mm-hmm. President of the Assembly. Said these men are willing to be launched off, off one day, and they prayed for us all. That one day God would launch us off, and mm. 
you know, we're talking about close to 21 years later, I have that arrow here and it's planted here in Columbus, Ohio, 2,300 miles away from where I was, you know, and and we're working in national missions and doing what we're doing. But that call, that moment, brother, (coughs) just one of those things that you you just can't, you can't. you can't even imagine. Yeah. And so it, it just, um, it, that was a moment where God began to deal with me and call me. Mm. And, and it's just it was just a moment of learning from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning from everybody, learning yeah. the word, and going where there was sermons, going where there was youth camps, going wherever somebody was going to preach or wherever there was going to be great movement of God. And you just wanted to be there mm-hmm. in his presence. And we would gather, I mean, our youth would gather, you know, Fridays, instead of going and hanging out, we'd be in the church. We're sitting there crying and praying till wow. 2, 3 in the morning, falling asleep under the pews because we just wanted to be in God's presence. Yes. And we just had a hunger for Him. And uh, we'd get up with desire to just, just be under His presence all the time. And uh, I, I began to get something so deep instilled inside of me. Um, uh, George Vantageous at that time preached a sermon one time that was called, You Were Never Aware of My Presence. Mm. It was such a deep conviction, convicting prayer from the book of Hosea. It talked about Gomer and Hosea and how um, Israel was prostituting the presence of God. Mm. And, you know, it, it was to the point that, that Gomer couldn't, commit to a relationship because she was used to an experience all the time Mm. with men and so it got to the point where i understood what it was saying you know god was calling us to deeper prayer a deeper element of prayer and that awoke in my spirit and awoke in my pastor's spirit too in in a point where we started opening the church at 4 34 in the morning man to have prayer wow you know and and, on tuesdays and thursdays and then mondays wednesdays fridays it was just just became a hunger mm. in my life that even to this day, brother, you'll catch me there at 5, 5.30 in the morning just, just crying out to God. And it's just a, a desire that, that aside from the calling, God's calling you close first. Mm. From there, you know, everything else begins to instill what he's going to work inside of you. Yes. So it can't just be a call to launch and go. It's got to be a call to know who you're going to be launched mm. for, who you're going to serve. So... You know, it, it became that for us. It became that for my life. Mm-hmm. Calling him. By 19, I preached my first sermon. <laughs> pastor called me one time to preach. And I was supposed to preach a youth service. And then they turned it into a all-out matutino for all the church. And this is like a 300-member <laughs> church. And wow. there I am just quivering, going, all right, you know, I'm about to preach my first sermon. And, and, and I was scared. But you know what? God just... The moment I got up there, it was like I didn't even know who was there. Mm. And um, let us be thankful and make known his deeds to serve him. Mm-hmm. was the title of my sermon, <laughs> my wow. first sermon. And uh, it, it just, it was one of those things, brother, that God just there at that moment. I knew this is it. This is what God has called me to do. Mm. My calling was there, but I didn't know whether it was to go to missions, what, what, what it was mm. to do this. When I, I felt that I knew I was called to preach. Mm. And, I, and to do his work and um, and be a soul winner, brother. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you just can't rob. I still do Wednesday Bible studies with somebody. Yeah. I was giving the soul a study. Yeah. I love it. I love oh. it. That's awesome, Pastor. And and I mean, you you can. I hope people can feel that, you know your spirit through through your voice, you know, through the speakers. And, and that's one of the things that um, you know, that I, I I brought. We talked a little bit about earlier. It's just. 
you know, and I understand it now. You know, I, I explained to you that I've always just seen you smiling. You know, always seen you smiling. And when you said that, it's because every day it just seems like you've been baptized. But you can just sense that spirit from you, sir. And, and it, it's just awesome. You know, it's awesome to have men uh, of God, uh, you know, that, that just, you know, you want to be around that. You know, you, you want you want to you want a part of that, and it just gets people motivated, and 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 that's awesome, Pastor. That's oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, so, Pastor, after you received that calling, and 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 you gave your uh, you were when were you initiated to the ministry, and how long was it that you were serving as a minister until you actually got called to a pastorship? How how did that work out for you, sir? <laughs> Let's just call it development. Development. <laughs> God has a way of working his journey. Sure. You know, David was anointed king at a very young age, but mm-hmm. he didn't take that he didn't take that place till thirteen years later. Yeah. You know, and in our in our time when I was nineteen, the Lord the Lord placed a deep call in my life. Yeah. Um but you know, it, things have a way of working the way God wants you to, to, to develop and at that time, when I was twenty, I, I had met my my wife when we were fourteen, actually. Wow! So you know, sixteen and seventeen and eighteen, we'd see each other in services and sector services. And uh, nineteen and twenty, we started courting. It's mm-hmm. courtship for, for us. That's what it was. Man. Mm-hmm. It wasn't dating or no, it was courtship. Yeah. We honored each other. You know, I, I went and talked to her father and. Asked for permission to call her and get to know her and ask my pastor's blessing, my father's blessing, her pastor's blessing, her father's blessing, you know, just to <laughs> communicate. And, and you know what? God just began to work in our yeah. lives. And we got married at 22, young age. You know, we, we started a journey and, you know, I knew God was calling us to, mm-hmm. to something and I, I felt it. You know, I, I was waiting to serve and I win souls and I was all over the place just always evangelizing and doing wow. and, um, uh, God began to work my heart. Way. He be, he began to work with me, uh, just just very differently in our marriage. Mm-hmm. A lot of things I needed to learn. Mm. You know, I came from a broken home. Yeah. So, in the process of my marriage, you know, I I had to learn. Mm. You know, because I, I I came from a shattered home. Regardless of how much I loved Jesus, I was struggling. Yeah. I was struggling. You know, and it was hard. And uh, I wanted to win every conversation. But I was failing in winning my relationship with mm. my wife. You know, I, I wanted to justify things, and mm. I knew. And God had to deal with our lives and deal with my life that way and help me understand, you know, the kind of relationship I was going to have if mm. I was going to serve God in a whole nother level, you know. So everything has, has its process, mm-hmm. and you have to learn from that area too. And so God began to deal with me. Mm. He began to deal with that area where... Uh, my marriage had to understand this too and so you know we're journeying and, and now now i'm 23 and now i'm 24 and now i'm 20 you know i'm, I'm going into being 25 and you know uh, god began to work us and so we we got married and and um we within our first year you know we we moved on to another church after mm-hmm. being where i was for so many years and so under the pastorate there that I was, uh, <coughs> God began to work us, and he began to break us. Mm. You know, my wife was pregnant about four months, five months, and uh, she lost her job. And we had great, 
great jobs, both those. We had great mm-hmm. income coming in, and we had our first home, and she she lost her job. And the irony is that that day I had lost my job. Really? And I went to go pick her up, thinking, well, she's got a great job. She's <laughs> office manager. She's doing great. And when I go to pick her up, she's walking out with a box in her oh. hands. And I'm like, no way. You got to be kidding me. And she walks in. I go, are you okay? She goes, I'm fine. I go, what happened? Yeah. She goes, just, they don't need me no more. And I'm <laughs> looking at her, not knowing what to tell her. And she's like, why are your tools in the back? <laughs> I'm like, well, that's my box. That's my box. And we just <laughs> oh my goodness. crying, going, oh, my. Oh. She's pregnant. Yeah. Have a job. She doesn't have a job. And the <laughs> process began, a process that um, was very difficult, very difficult. Uh, I must have laid out about 32 applications wow. everywhere. Uh, a lot of them came back overqualified just not open right now for this and that and we began a journey of brokenness to the point where there was no food at times there was stuff where there was uh, I mean there wasn't even Kool-Aid and powder (laughs) for Kool-Aid I mean I'm serious there was times that it was just difficult and and it was hard we were on our knees crying out to God Mm. and, and asking for provision and we never asked for help. We never, you know, God had us just quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell nobody. Mm-hmm. You just trusted me. Mm-hmm. And we would struggle. We would, it would hurt us. Uh, see my wife that way. And mm-hmm. brother, I, I would go at night and go literally wash post postal cars or, you know, charge about $4 for each one just to wash them at night. Mm-hmm. And then uh, try to get some money that way. And then, you know, get out and pour concrete wherever I could, mm. you know, just to try to make some kind of income for yeah. the house and make sure we had something. And it was hard. It was hard trying to do these things. And I remember one time, uh, there literally was no food. And I, oh. I was sitting there and, I mean, it, it's not something I decided to do. It was just mm. tough. Yeah. It was hard. And those times were hard. And, and my wife kind of walked in and went to the pantry and there was nothing. She just looked at me like, what are you going to do? Wow. And I just looked at her and I smiled and I said, honey, God's going to make a way. Mm. She just nodded her head. She didn't want to hear it. She was <laughs> six months, eight, seven months pregnant with our daughter. And yeah. She walked up the stairs and she went to go take a nap. She just she just couldn't. I remember I fell on my face and I told the Lord, help me. Mm. What are we doing wrong? Mm-hmm. We're doing everything to serve you. We're, 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 we know you're our provider. We know you're going to make ends meet. And, you know, at that moment, uh, just crying out to God, I found an assurance, but it was tough. Mm, yeah. And it was a knock on the door. And I, and I go to open it, and it's a friend of a family that we, we know was there. And I'm looking, I'm going, you know, I haven't seen him in a while. I go, what's going on, man? He says, you know what, I don't know. He says, I, I just wanted to come by and see you guys and just bring some stuff for you. Take in mind, nobody knows what's wow, going on. Yeah. Second thing is, this guy's an atheist. Oh. We know he doesn't believe. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, I, I, I just, I don't know. He says, I picked up my sister today and I just told him, you know what? I don't know why I've had these guys on my mind all day. Just, mm. just go do something. He says, I got an extra bonus check. He says, and I want to just use it all and buy them groceries. Just go take it to them. Wow. He says, just for the heck of it. Well, he shows up in a Chevy Silverado, brother. 
and he had groceries bagged filled to the back of that wow. truck. Groceries in the patio, groceries in the front, and I'm looking at them, and I started crying. I go, oh, oh and you can't imagine. You can't imagine what you just did right mm. now. I see me going, what's wrong with you? And I'm crying, and I'm <laughs> going, no, oh, it's just, I said, come here, and I showed him the pantry and everything. Uh, He's looking at me. I said, I just got up praying right now, asking God to make a win. He's looking at me going, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I'm going, no, God used you. And yeah. he literally left the bags, got in his truck, and he took off. Wow. And in myself, I thought, Lord, my goodness, what you did, mm. what you provided me. Even the unbeliever. There you go. <laughs> you know, and... My wife came down and I was smiling and she's looking at me like, what are you smiling about? <laughs> she walked in and so she goes, how did this happen? I said, you know what? I told her who it was and she's going, you know what? You know what? What?" And she starts crying because she uh, says, what What gets me, she says, is that I feel that sadly somebody out there and probably even brothers probably heard the call to do this hmm. and they listen." I mm. had to use an unbeliever, and wow. somebody missed out on their blessing because of that. Yeah, I was like, "Wow, you know." But those little trajectories were happening in our lives as yeah. we were being developed towards this. Um, our marriage was processed. Processed. Mm. God was dealing with us. Our daughter was born, beautiful daughter, and at nine months she got full-blown pneumonia, wow. and uh, we took her to the hospital. And, and the doctors basically told us, you just need to take her home and let nature take its course because she's not going to survive tonight. Wow. And and that was one of those things that you're like, what do you mean you can't do nothing? Yeah. It's out of our hands. It's out of our control. And uh, I remember bringing her home. And it's like one in the morning. And then my back was to her and my wife was in the bed and my daughter was in the middle. And all you could hear at night was her gurgling. Yeah. Because of the pneumonia piled up it was in her and uh we're we're just there and i couldn't sleep mm. you're just like god is it gonna happen tonight you know what's gonna take place yeah. and uh i remember feeling my wife tapped my back and i turned over and i go what's going on she goes i don't want her to die mm. i don't want her to die i, go, I don't either I, I don't know what to do and she says well, call it out do something and, <laughs> and i picked her up and I remember I just, just I just, just told her, what do you want from me? What do you want? We've done, so, we've given, we've, I mean, I feel like I'm like on the ground and just being trampled on already. Mm-hmm. I just, we're faithful. We see you provide, we see you do. And the Lord spoke to my heart. And he said, are you willing to surrender her? Mm-hmm. And, and when I felt that in my heart, I thought, God, he's going to take her. Mm-hmm. He's going to take my little girl. And I told him, Lord, if, if this is what it takes for you to understand, I'm going to serve you mm-hmm. forever. I'm yours. She's yours. Wow. She's yours. Do what you want, Father. She's yours. And I remember uh, the Lord said to me, good. He says, now behold, the wonders that I will do through you, he mm-hmm. said. And the things that I will do through your hands. I just wanted to know if you're loyal to me. I'm willing to give it all. And he said, place your hand on her chest. And when I did that, 
I saw this white clot in her. I could see it wow. begin to move spiritually. I was, I was seeing this. And the Lord said, speak to it. Because when you speak to it, you're going to see what I'm going to do. Mm. And when I began to speak, he said, now cast it. And when I did that, I began to see it moving. Wow. And the Lord told me the sign of her healing, she's going to vomit all this out. And, and I tried to tell my wife, go bring a towel because she's going to, before I could even tell my daughter was vomiting all that out, literally wow. white clots all over the place, everywhere. And my wife was panicking. My God, you know, she, she's, she's, I could just leave her. Yeah. The, said, this is going to be the sign. And, and she did. And the crazy thing is that when she got done, she looked at me and my wife and she just took a deep breath. She went, <sighs> she smiled, <laughs> cuddled up in me asleep and she wow. was fine 16 years later my daughter today got her permit to be able to drive <laughs> god's god's miraculous hand wow. these things and again like i said process yes up to what god was going to do and, and do it and oh my god there's so many testimonies through this time where that i could sit here and give you you know yeah. losing a home and losing our cars and having cars repoed because we just didn't have the funds yeah. to close our house getting, you know, about to get repossessed and stuff that was going to happen to us. Mm. It was just like, I was at the last minute. Mm. Like, I just waited till the end. Just, you, know, <laughs> you know, and here you go. Yeah. We were losing our home and HUD somehow came in and said, hey, we'll cover eight months for you. Don't even worry about it. It was like, my goodness, you know, just little things yeah. like that just always at the end always at the end and uh, god began to work us in such a way where you would have you couldn't imagine you know? that's awesome and so it was during that time when we got set aside and um and god began to work in us in, in, in 2001 we got set aside mm. and so began to work in that dimension of uh, the dynamics of deaconship and we went back to fontana church under my pastor you know we to be developed by him and mm -hmm. worked by him and God began to break us during our deaconship too. Mm -hmm. My son Seth was born. He was actually prophesied by Bishop Bromo. We we were gonna have one child and that was it. And he released a word over us that God was gonna send us a son and wow. his name would be Seth. He even gave us a name. He says, God has chosen this name for your son. And our son was born. He was wow. born and hey that boy was dying at birth dying at three months dying at nine months kidneys failure so many things wow. and, but god testing us through that but he worked us mm -hmm. and um 2003 we got ordained into ministry began to work and the irony about this brother is that uh in 2005 we got launched out to pastor two years later after being ordained wow my pastor said mike you've been here so long what else can i teach <laughs> You learn, and there's so much. Yeah. God, God was working us, brother. He was working with us in so many elements and, and calling us to something. And uh, you know, it was 2006 when we took our first pastorate in January, February, and, and we began to work in Tyler, Texas. Mm. God began to work us, and that was a whole nother ground of being crossed. <laughs> you think mm. you would have had it all, and then known it because of where you've come from. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I tell people this all the time when they go into their pastorate, you know, you're, you, wherever you go for the first time, just because they give you the title doesn't mean that's what you are. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, you go to become a pastor. Mm -hmm. God will make you a pastor. 
and and that's what God did. He molded us through so much brokenness there with people that we didn't understand and mm. we had to work with. We were willing to love and do what we had, but God had a different story. Mm-hmm. He had to do, He had to develop us. He had to work us. <laughs> so it it was one of those. Man. The pastor it was one of those that was just going to mold us there. And we went to about two and a half years of that. Wow. Hard, hard knocks, literally hard knocks. Wow. Some difficult men and people that just had a different mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not doing anything different in Columbus than what we were doing there. Mm-hmm. And we've been prosperous in Columbus. It's just that God had a plan yeah. for us to, to develop us. And, and we had to break more. You know, you would think after so many things. <laughs> you know, no. I, I, and, and, you know, in one of those moments, brother, where we were just crying, Bishop Romo called me one time. Mm-hmm. Just, just out of the he says, Michael, I have a word for you. He says, wow. the Lord told me to tell you. He says, God trusts you with trouble. He, says, he loves who you become before him when you go through these things. Mm-hmm. And in me, I'm thinking, man, all I become is a weeping kid. <laughs> I just called out. I, 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 I love him. I tell him, all right, you know, and, and I thought, wow, man. Yeah, it's cost us. Yeah. <laughs> it's cost us. And, you know, that moment there was very hard, very hard for us. But, you know, we need those kind of places, mm. development. We need those kind of places of working with those things. And, you know, I'm a, I was a young man at that time, probably about 29, 28, taking my first pastorate. Mm. And, and I get to a church where there's about seven ministers, and I'm the youngest of them all. You're wow. talking about from 72 to 50s to 60s to 40s, and I'm... I mean, his yeah. friend into his 30s and now pastoring these men that came from, from old school men like Leonardo Sepulveda and all that and they're there and I'm going wow we're being developed we're being worked yeah. God began to work a, a thing brother that hey, we had to go through it mm. we had to go through a lot of hurt there and a lot of time of understanding but it drew my wife and I even closer mm. it, it, it helped us understand one thing and that was to love unconditionally mm. so it, mm. it was something powerful for us <laughs> yeah you know that 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 heart of a pastor you know and 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 being able to um be supported by that by that love of of, of an awesome wife you know and but going through those things and um and, and trying to minister still and 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 like you said love unconditionally you know that that's just you know less of you and more of God, definitely. You know, in your in your lives. Um, so, Pastor, how um, how long was it was since you were in Texas, and then getting was New Beginnings the next step for you guys, uh, uh, Columbus, Ohio? It definitely was, brother. Okay, it, it definitely was. You know, and I mean, talk about having a minister during those times. I mean, what you just said, there was days I would walk up to that pulpit uh, after just pulling a fresh knife out of my back oh. <laughs> and having to minister freshly, you know, wow. with the heart wanting to love Jesus. Yeah. You know, um, the transition began to take place when God began to just, just work in our hearts mm. that it was time to surrender the church. And we were struggling because I, I you know, my pastor is the board member. He's the vice president. He recommended me for this place. And, I didn't want to let him down. Yeah. You know? I, I didn't want to, you know, I just, I was struggling with that and this and that and I'm his spiritual son and, you know, we've had so much success where we minister all over the world and 
I can't handle a pastor. And I'm like, God, you know, I'm not called a pastor after everything we've been through and yeah. stuff. And, you know, that's a moment you talked about earlier. You know, did you ever doubt and go through? Well, this was one of, <laughs> this was one of those. You yeah. Know, and so it, it became one of those things where uh, I began to call out <laughs> to God. And uh, the irony about all of this was that I had a, a couple friends, one in California in general and another one here in Dallas that, where I was at, uh, called me up and they said, hey, there's a there's a men's conference um, there in Dallas. Jake's is going to be preaching. And it, let's just get together and get there. And somehow my wife and their wives had been talking about getting me there. They just saw how discouraged I was with everything that was going yeah. on. And so I said, you know what? I need this. Let's go. We'll go spend some days out there. And so I get there on a Thursday, and uh, we we got there Thursday, and uh, T.D. Jakes is getting ready to preach, and he steps up to the platform, and he just stops, and he says, I don't know why God did this to me. He says, but the Lord just changed my message, literally right now. He says, I don't know who this is for, he says, but this is for a man of God, he says. He says, the Lord told me. But the message of the sermon is get ready because God's about to move you. Mm. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> and I'm sitting here between one friend on my right and one friend on my left, and they're elbowing me going, this one's for you, man. This one's for you. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man. And he starts talking about Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth being dropped. And people have dropped you. Mm. People have stabbed you in the back. They have failed you. You were called to do something. You you feel like a failure, but you're not a failure. It's the way God had had to allow you to drop, so you could realize how lame you are before Him. Mm. <laughs> and I'm I'm crying through the whole sermon. Oh. Oh God, you know, this is me. It's it's it's, it's uh, where I'm at. This yeah. is this is totally me and. <clears throat> he's talking about how God is just at, at a moment where he's calling you and he's beginning to work with you and develop all this. So I'm hearing all of this and I couldn't anymore. Oh. I, I, I went straight up to the altar. I fell on my face. And you know, this brother gave me a word. Hmm. He came down to give me a word and he said, this was for you. And he says, the Lord is saying that he's going to move you. Hmm. There's a new crown that awaits you. And, you know, that was the second time I had heard that word because a cousin of mine had called me two weeks prior and told me that I've been praying for you. And the Lord told me to type that there's a crown that is waiting for you. There's a new level waiting for you that's coming. And so he tells me this. And then he says, the Lord is saying that where you go, he says, they're not going to stab your back. Mm -hmm. They're not going to drop you. He's prepared a table. Mephibosheth, he says, where you will sit and they will not see how lame you have been from the waist down mm. all they will see you is sitting there and these people will serve you and love you and you will prosper and grow and my god just I, I knew that's it yeah. it's time you know it's time to move on and so when i when i heard that message and i heard that i knew it was time and we began our, our prayer uh I, I i turned things in in 2008 and this was on a journey like in, 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 in April. And we just, uh, March and April, and, and I took a sabbatical. We took mm. time. I'd take my kids fishing. We'd go all over the place. <laughs> and I just, I didn't know what we were going to do. Yeah. I, I just didn't know we were there, you know, in Texas. And, and we didn't know. We didn't know what was next. We just, I didn't know. We just, just prayed. And are we going back home? Is this it? Yeah. You know, that, that's our journey. Okay, you know. 
And, and that was it. And uh, on a Tuesday night, um, I, I had a dream. And in this dream, <clears throat> I, I got to this building and, and I looked at it, it was really small. And I could hear a lot of music coming from inside. And walked inside and, and there was ushers there waiting. We've been waiting for you, Pastor. And they yeah. escorted me in. And when I turned and turned the corner, um, I looked over and at that time, Bishop Abel Aguilar was a national missions director. Mm-hmm. And he was there waiting for me. And he was saying, hey, you know what? Greeting me, and I, I walked up to my hug and said, are you ready? I told him, I'm ready. And went and, and uh, just started ministering. And, and the power of the Lord was moving. And, and I felt so fresh and alive mm. just ministering and preaching. And I could see an outpour happening. And then, and then Bishop Abel Aguilar gets the mic, and he's preaching with me. And we're both just <laughs> going at it, man. It was just crazy, crazy dream. And yeah. I, I told him, I got to go, and I got to go. And I, and I walked out, and he says, you're not going nowhere. And I, and I walked out the door, and, and I went into the car. And when I went into a car, and I turned around, that place erupted and blew up. And there was flames coming out, but the people were rejoicing mm. in the fire of the Holy Spirit, you know. Wow. And uh, I remember seeing that and just thinking, all right, you know, and I woke up. I woke up. It was it was weird. It was just one of those things. And I told my wife about it. That was crazy, you know. And, you know, that was it. And, and three weeks later on a Tuesday, I'm uh, I'm in my office where I used to work. I was working for a company. And my phone rang there in the office. I picked it up, and uh, it was Bishop Abel Aguilar. Mm. And he goes, hey, Mike, how you doing good? He goes, hey, I didn't know you. You had taken a sabbatical and all this stuff and everything. He's talking to me and everything. He goes, look, I don't do this kind of stuff, man. I don't share things like this, he says. But look, at, just let me let me share with you my heart, he says, please. And he says, look, I, not that I believe or don't believe in these things, but I, I feel I have to share this with you, he says. And he starts this conversation. Conversations like this. He says, three weeks ago, he says, from this day. And I have my calendar up on my wall. And, I, and I'm looking at it. I know the day because I had marked it on my <laughs> on my calendar up there. And I'm going through some of the students. Oh, my God, I had a dream that Tuesday. Yeah. And he starts this conversation three weeks ago, brother. He says, I had a dream. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man. I shut my computer <laughs> off. I sat up. And I'm sitting there going, oh, Lord. Wow. He says, brother, he says, I, I don't want to get into everything. He says, the only thing I know is that I saw, he says, me and you were ministering together in this place, and the fire of the mm. Holy Ghost fell down. Well, when he says that, brother, I, my, I mean, my hair still stand up. I get goosebumps right now. <laughs> I, 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 I'm serious. I, yeah. I, I got goosebumps right now. I mean, I, that's how I was. Just like, uh. you got to be kidding me, Lord. And he says, brother, we, we have a need in Columbus, Ohio. And I really feel in my heart, you are that person that God is calling there. I just literally right now, he says, I got this three weeks ago. He Mm -hmm. says, you know what I did when I woke up? He says, I called your pastor, Pastor Sam. That morning, he says, he's telling me, you know, I I, I woke up about three in the morning. He's telling me that it was about midnight when he woke up. He says, I woke up your pastor. He says, I told him, Sam, Sam, Sam. He says, I I feel this and, 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 you know, this is the way. And he says, Calm down, man. Take it to the board later and we'll deal with it. But it's me. Go to bed, you know. And so he says, I just literally walked out of the board. And he says, the whole board gave their approval. They said, mm. get him out of there and get him to Columbus. We need him there. And, you know, he talked to us about it. And, and you know, we, we were we were looking at this like, man, Lord, you know, 
I, I remember I told my wife, "Hun, I just got a call in, you know, Ohio and you know, Columbus." And my wife always says, "You know, when she heard that, that she had to go run and open up a map and see where is Ohio? <laughs> you know, where is this place at? You know, what? It's farther <laughs> where we are you know, from home, and I want to go back to Cali, not that way." <laughs> We went in May and we ministered there, and God, God really put a press in our heart mm. to go work there. There was maybe about 30, 35 brothers there at the top, small little Obrita, oh, in wow. a little Jiffy Lube warehouse, and you know we we committed and our hearts said, you know what, we're gonna do this. And uh, on June 29th of two thousand six, two thousand eight, my my wife and I took the path there in that church mm. and uh, you know it was it was it was something different you know, small little work and uh, we we got there and and I was traveling back and forth um, I would spend 10 days and go back home in Texas I was still working and then I would fly back and oh, tend wow. as much as I could while we made our changes but in October we finally made our move we drove and, and we got there and uh, I think about a, a month or less into us living there, my wife got really sick, really sick. And I literally had to carry her into the hospital because she was limp. I mean, wow. uh, she she had no, her vitals were low. Every, I don't know what happened. We still don't know what happened to her at that time. Wow. You know, God was working something. And when I walked in, they took her in there. My kids, I had to leave with somebody. I didn't even know the people there, the brothers, the mm. sister that was working as an administrator. She she stayed with them. And I remember when I was there, I kept on hearing whispering outside of the door. Mm. I'm sitting with her just, just there, and it's late. And for a whole hour, man, I kept on hearing whispering out the door. Who is talking out there? Mm. And, I, and I walked out there to look to see who it was. And when I peeked out, there was two brothers from the church for a whole hour, brother, wow. had been right there with their hands on the wall, just praying and praying. Wow. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, you see, son, he mm. says, here, the people aren't going to stab your back. Mm. They're going to serve you, Mephibosheth. He told me that. Mm. And I have prepared the crown for you. You will be crowned here. You will be crowned. And brother, within an hour, my wife's vitals came back. She was fine. Wow. She's never had that issue. And to this day, that brother Bernardino Jimenez is one of the most uh, faithful armor bearers to me. Mm. He does not leave my side. He's there in the mornings in prayer at church. He's there every morning. He prays with me. He's by my side. He doesn't leave that mm. altar. Whatever I need, he's there and he's always with the irony is that this man's a black belt in in uh, uh, karate do, oh, and he's right. a citizen. <laughs> <laughs> me. He's my assigned usher now, but it's just an amazing thing what God has done with us, and yeah. that was the transition towards stepping into what is now New Beginnings Church. Mm. But the crazy thing was when T.D. Jakes gave me that word, he said, "Lo and behold," he said, "Behold, the Lord says." new beginnings is on its way and when he said that to me the lord spoke in my spirit and said that will be the name of the church that i have prepared for you wow. and when we walked in here and we understood we knew this is our new beginning mm. and to this day you know that is our new beginning 
Wow. That's what I tell people. Here you come to start a new beginning, mm-hmm. a new journey, a new life, and what God is going to do with you. And we've been working there, brother. It's going to be eight years in June. Mm. Now we've been here in new beginnings. And, um, we have seen some miraculous, powerful things that God has done from what we started to being over 240 members now in our congregation. Wow. Growing and developing so much and winning the city, meeting the mayor. So just so many things that we're doing wow. everywhere, all over the community. Um, God has taken care of us, our family, our church. It's just been amazing, mm. an amazing, amazing journey being able to do what we've done and travel yeah. and do. It's just, it's powerful, powerful. Wow, Pastor. It, it's just amazing how, you know, you can just see God's handprint, you know, just you know all through through your life you know all through your life and like you said these journeys and and these little intermission places and these where they interconnect with each other and and it just has god all over it and, and wow pastor that's you know that's that's really inspiring that's really awesome because you think about you know like my personal life and you know anyone else that's listening i bet you they're, they're going to kind of contemplate of you know where am i at right now you know yeah. my life and what is it that god can't do for me you know, that I can't break out of this or I can't, you know, be set free from this, that that, that I need to serve my calling my calling and my purpose. You know. Yeah. Ah, brother, that that's that's so inspiring, that's so awesome. Uh so brother, you're there. Um where's your church located at um there in Columbus? We're we're actually in the hilltop area, which is actually right in central Columbus. Okay. We're, we're literally about three, five minutes away from downtown. We're in the heart of everything, 120 South Burgess Avenue, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, we're what, what they call the Hilltop area, which is one of the, uh, well, one of the most violent cities in, in Ohio. Really? <laughs> a crime, a lot of, uh, lot of, a lot of need there. Mm. A lot of, and so we are working one of the hardest areas in, in all of the state right now. Wow. And, working there so it's been exciting yeah it's been exciting i mean we've had gunshot victims running to church we have oh my god prostitutes <laughs> fucking needing help and stuff and yeah you know we're, we're god is raising us out there and it's yeah. a latino community in the midst of a well the latino church in the midst of a community of anglos and african-american mm. so <laughs> we're working that area we're helping the people out yeah so, La raza está haciendo su trabajo. Ahí, <laughs> you know? We're doing the work of the Lord. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, it's exciting. See what we're doing there. Wow, Pastor, I, I really want to appreciate again your time and, and uh, you know just your testimony. And like you said, this is just a smart, a small part of you know everything that God's done for you. Uh, but before we close, Pastor, is there any any uh, just closing message that you would like to give anyone that's listening, uh, or 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 just any counsel, any word right now, Pastor? I, I have always said this, brother. Mm. The season you're in mm-hmm. is not your destiny. Mm. But your destiny needs seasons like the one you're in right mm. now. And, and so these are things that wow. God has to put in your life mm. for everything that he has. You don't initiate what you're going to do for what's coming. You initiate for today. Mm. because of what's coming you know you cannot hold yourself down and mm. and just wait well let's see what's gonna happen no you gotta you gotta take that moment as if that's your kickstart 
where every moment you go through something you're at, where you're at, no matter what it is, you got to take it as your kickstart. And if it leads you into more brokenness, mm. kicking sooner or later, God is going to start something with you. Yeah. I mean, we're living in times where we're seeing this, man. And God yeah. is God is moving in such a powerful, dynamic way right now. Mm. We can't hold back. Mm. We can't. With everything that is coming against us, we cannot hold back. Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't see myself as just whatever anymore. I understand my my calling. I do feel unworthy of so much, mm. but I know that everything God allowed me to go through mm-hmm. is to understand everything that will come against me. Mm. In other words, there's nothing you can throw at me that I haven't been through. There's nothing. There's no mud you can throw at me and says I, I've never had this on me. Yeah. There, there's nothing. You know, I'm willing to go through it for Him. Yeah. And living in a time where you know. People think that, you know, well, you know, I don't really think the Lord is coming yet. Look at what's happening. You really think the Lord is going to allow Satan to take more people to hell with him mm. than God is going to take to heaven? Yeah. I really believe that we are, living, we are living in a time where we're about to see rapid conversion. Mm. Rapid conversion has been the word God has been giving me for the last couple of years. We're going to see people rapidly converting into the gospel. Mm. Rapid conversion, baptisms, the gospel, power of the Spirit. I mean, a, a total dimension where the gifts of the Spirit are going to work. And mm. It's no longer going to take one sermon, you know, 5,000 sermons for one to convert. You know, We're going to start seeing the power of the Spirit move. I, I believe there's an awakening coming mm. to so many where we're going to see people giving their lives. We, we can't wait on this. Okay, take him through step one, step two, mm. step three, and then we'll baptize him. God's not looking for that anymore. Mm. It's a movement of his spirit. Like you said in the last days, I yeah. will pour out my spirit. And so we need to be in tune with that and be ready for what he's going to give us. And I do believe wholeheartedly that we are at that time and at yes. that moment where we're about to see this. Yeah, it's just, you know, maintaining and staying strong in the faith. Like you mentioned, because in these times, it's, it's amazing what's being acceptable or deemed acceptable and it's 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 scary pastor it's scary but knowing that God has everything in control ultimately you know we can have that that faith or ultimately that carry that joy that he only gives and that the world can't you know take away from us yes. you know I was just reading recently pastor and uh it just brought us something that when you were speaking you know you they were saying that they want to they want to make a Frozen two. You know, Frozen one was a really popular movie, and they said, well, this time around, the 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 main character, one of them, she should really have a girlfriend instead of you know like a prince or something. And then you hear all these issues about you know the restrooms and they want to gender, uh, make them non gender restrooms and and just all these things that want to become acceptable, you know, in, in our lives. And just recently, we had a young minister, Brother Misael Mendoza from First Phoenix First. And he said, Christians in the United States are being persecuted. He goes, not physically, you know, like people do around the world, but uh, they're doing it morally, you know, morally and how we're being persecuted. So, I, I, you know, I don't want to see these things because I have sons, but ultimately I know these are things that are going to come to pass. But before that, you know, amen, brother, let God pour out his spirit. (laughs) You know, let's, let's baptize people in Jesus' name and... Oh, brother, I'm, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Can you imagine what would happen, Brother Mario, if, uh, if we took on a journey mm. as the world is taking on for the Lord, mm. where they can rattle and make noise for what they want to do and believe in? Mm-hmm. If the church would wake up to do the same, mm. 
and honestly not worry about who or what and take on a trajectory, the Lord would be before us. Yes. The Lord would be before us. We can make a louder noise than somebody doing mm. a transgender restroom. Yeah. We can make louder noise than somebody, you know, asking for this and asking for mm. that, you know, in, in certain dynamics of the law and we need this and that. Yeah. You know what? Stand up. Step up for Christ. Yeah. Get known and just go. Go at it and don't stop. Wow. At the end of the day, people forget. Every me shall bow and mm. every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. So it doesn't matter what the world says, what they're going to tell you, they're going to say, sooner or later, you're still going to confess the Lord that I'm mm. confessing to you right now. Amen. So why give up on that hope and why quit? Yeah. Why feel that, you know, hey, we're, we're being persecuted, we're going through this, or it's tough. You know what? It's tough not doing it. Mm. It's tough being idle. Mm. It's tough because you don't give the gospel. You don't share it. Mm. You don't give it. We make it tough on ourselves. Yeah. You know, That's the true. joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes, sir. You, you step into His joy of doing what you can do. You're always going to be strengthened. Mm. Things will come your way, yes, but He will strengthen me through Amen. it. Amen. Amen. Got to believe in a great way that you know that's what He wants for our lives. Oh yeah, I believe it greatly. Yes, sir. Yes, 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 yes. Ah. Uh. Pastor, thank you so much again for your time and and your availability uh, for these moments and and um, you know I, I really appreciate it, Pastor. I um, you know like we talked earlier before we started, you know God, I was just impressed with with you and my spirit, with your spirit, and and I got you want to reach out to people, you know, fellow Christians and and uh, fellow uh, children of God and and like I was mentioning to you, what's the worst they can tell me is no, and I and I wrote to you, Pastor, and. And, you know, I don't, you said, you you know, kind of remembered and not remembered, but you were open <laughs> to the invitation. So, again, I really want to appreciate it, Pastor. And, and uh, we're going to be praying for you here in First Tucson, Pastor, and, and for you and your wife and your family, and, and obviously for your church, that God will continue doing uh, what he's been doing for you all, you know, all along, Pastor. And again, thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Pastor. We're blessed, my brother, and thank you so much and for all you're doing. Your pastor, the Spinos, we love them, man. They they are wonderful people, and and uh, honored honored just to get to know people and know people like that. And yourself, we'll be praying for you. Thank you. Keep thank on you. doing what you're doing, brother. All right. Thank you so much, Pastor. I appreciate it. God bless you, sir.